So we're here today with Rebecca Harms, who's the co-president of the Greens EFA group in the European Parliament and a lifelong anti-nuclear campaigner who's going to tell us a little bit about her experiences in that area. Welcome, Rebecca. Hello. So, Rebecca, you started your fight against nuclear power a long time ago. Can you tell us how old you were when you first started and what, what got you into it in the first place? I was uh, 19 years old. Uh, the government of Lower Saxony and of Germany, they decided uh, to build close to the village where I lived, uh, the biggest nuclear installation uh, for Germany for reprocessing uh, nuclear waste and also for uh, storing uh, nuclear waste. And you were concerned that this was going to affect you in your day-to-day life, I guess? So during these years, uh, after high school, I was in an apprenticeship. Uh, My idea was to become a gardener. Uh, And um, my uh, future plans were in my home region, a very, very rural area, to get organized with some friends for eco-gardening and uh, eco-farming. And so it's uh, maybe too simple, but uh, it's uh, as uh, simple as two. The nuclear industry really came into my way. Exactly. Sometimes the simplest things are are a good motivation for doing things. What was the general feeling at the time about nuclear power? Was it generally accepted as a a good thing in in Germany? So in the 70s, nuclear industry in Germany had still the support of majority of uh, then existing political parties uh, and also support of majority of uh, citizens. And my uh, movement uh, in so this uh, very, very, you can say also a bit lost part of Germany, we lived in a way behind the bushes. Uh, so the, the, the people in my region, uh, when they get organized uh, against uh, nuclear industry, um, they and we, we have been seen as uh, very strange people, a radical minorities, some called us terrorists. And one of the says we often heard was, uh, go to the East, go to the communists. There you are better off with your strange ideas. So it was really a direct line for you from uh, nuclear activism into, into green politics? Um, this was a long way for me because so in, in my region, um, so where really the this uh, citizens initiative, Bürger initiative was uh, the driving force against nuclear. In my region, they decided to uh, start uh, the Green Party. I stayed out. My idea as a radical campaigner in the anti-nuclear movement was uh, by our activities, by blocking streets, by occupying places, by going to court, uh, by having good arguments against nuclear, we would win much earlier than the Green Party could uh, be organized. And I said to my friends, go for it, but uh, I have better things to do. So a decade later or two decades later, I, I was happy that we had the party. And how long did it take before you decided to to take the more political route? Mm. So I I was uh, very, very active uh, politically. I was, um, and maybe I'm I'm still, uh, I was um, not always feeling fine with uh, party structures and uh, party politics. I was more this uh, grassroots, uh, a bit anarchist uh, campaigner. And 
So I decided to join uh, the Green Group in Lower Saxonian Parliament when they asked me from the Greens uh, that I join. And this was for um, a very um, specific purpose. So they wanted to achieve the nuclear consensus, or you can say the anti-nuclear consensus, together with the Social Democrats um, and the Greens in Lower Saxony. And they found me uh, like mate for organizing this job. So I became a member of the parliament before I became a member of the Green Party in Germany. And I was expecting uh, myself to quit after uh, four years. Uh, but um, after four years, um, the Greens and me decided uh, that it fits and that I continue. I became then the, the speaker of the Greens in Lower Saxonian House. What would you say was your standout achievement in this lifelong battle against nuclear power? Then, Is there anything in particular that you're particularly proud of achieving, for example? So there is, I think, one big achievement uh, at home in my region. And uh, I think together with some other people, I, I achieved to really define the strategies of the anti-nuclear movement, the non-violent uh, fight, um, the openness to discuss with everybody. So we really... Um, being on the one side very radical with our means, uh, but keeping the non-violence ideas, uh, we opened uh, German society for our arguments. We achieved that they listened to us um, and in the end even uh, agreed with us so that after Fukushima, then in the end also uh, conservative party of Mrs. Merkel joined the anti-nuclear camp, I think is uh, really um, one of the uh, achievements uh, which um, mainly was prepared by the citizens' initiatives. And my second, uh, I think, uh, big issue um, started in the late 80s when, when I visited for the first time uh, Chernobyl exclusion zone. Maybe without this visit, I would have left a bit more uh, the the nuclear issue. But facing uh, what is the reality of the nuclear catastrophe, um, strengths gain uh, my ideas and also my dedication to this um, anti-nuclear fight. So it was really the accidents that that happened in Chernobyl and Fukushima and elsewhere that that keeps you going on this on this on this path or gives you the energy to keep going to try to achieve more so to, to be honest when the accident happened um, in spite of the fact that we all had always said a nuclear accident can happen when it happened we couldn't believe it looking back to 1986 i would say it would have been better to go for a general strike instead we carried our vegetables spring vegetables from the gardens to the municipalities or authorities we uh, protected children uh, protected our gardens etc we're, we're very very busy with the protection and um, less protest and I myself understood the dimension of a nuclear catastrophe only after visiting uh, the exclusion zone. And there was um, during these years already um, a famous Austrian philosopher, Günther Anders, he said this special dimension of a nuclear a catastrophe is um, that it's destroying the past of the people, destroying the presence of the people, but 
also takes away from us our future. And so um, meeting with liquidators, meeting with uh, people who have been evacuated uh, during the first years, but also 10 years later from contaminated places, facing uh, the, the what, what happened uh, to uh, women uh, and what happened to children who suffered from the contamination shows again and again uh, how awful this catastrophe is. So w one of the most frightening experiences for me was to see uh, that we have not learned from Chernobyl catastrophe. Um, we saw this uh, after Fukushima because the preparedness Uh, was in Fukushima maybe even um, worse or, or weaker than uh, in Chernobyl in, in, in the 80s. So there's still, in your opinion, plenty of risks of this sort of thing happening again, and yet we, we hear new nuclear plants being built all the time. What, what's your assessment of, of the future? Is there, is there cause for optimism? Is it a source of energy that's on its last legs, or is it really going to continue? So... As long as uh, nuclear reactors are running, so every day, every hour, every minute, uh, you can see the next uh, nuclear catastrophe. And so comparing Fukushima uh, to uh, Chernobyl, so is not uh, better uh, for the people what we have uh, planned as protection in the West uh, compared to former Soviet Union. This was one uh, of the ideas uh, many, many people believed in until Fukushima. But on the other hand, uh, so the, the big successes of the anti-nuclear movement, they are very visible. For example, in, in Europe, in the European Union, to be precise, Uh, since 1986, there have been only two new builds. So there is no nuclear renaissance so far. Uh, those new builds are very, very expensive. Uh, Hinkley Point C is uh, the best example to see the cost explosions for new builds uh, in the nuclear sector. The real risk I see right now uh, in the European Union is that the lifeline for the nuclear program will be lifetime extension uh, for very old reactors. This is what the European Commission wants and is uh, also uh, supporting. Is So um, extending uh, the lifetime operation of nuclear reactors, 50% of the existing fleet, uh, up to 50 to 60 years. This is a high-risk strategy And especially since we know uh, the impact of uh, Chernobyl on the European continent, uh, so we as Greens uh, will fight against this with all our power. And is the problem that uh, nuclear power is too often sold these days as a, as a low-carbon power so that it's an excuse for continuing to invest in it? Is, I, I assume you don't uh, take that point of view. I think it's a high-risk technology and uh, you should not uh, fight uh, the devil with uh, the evil. <laughs> so it's, uh, for me, is a complete strange idea. And so looking to the costs, looking to the risks, um, what we also have uh, achieved is uh, the alternative. And this is different time after Chernobyl and uh, the time uh, after Fukushima. 
So since Chernobyl, the alternatives have been developed. Uh, what we can do today with renewables, what we can achieve with uh, energy savings and efficiency technology is huge. And uh, so also economically, uh, in these green technologies, uh, there is the alternative and there is also the climate-friendly development. Thank you very much, Rebecca.